Hi everybody, I'm Sess Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Carolyn Butler-Madden, the founder of The Cause Effect. Carolyn is absolutely passionate about helping businesses, big or small, connect with their brand purpose. She's a champion of cause marketing and a big believer in using business as a vehicle to create social impact and empower change. Her philosophy of putting social purpose at the heart of the business is energising businesses around the country and capturing the hearts and minds of Australians. Hi, Carolyn. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me, Sis. You're most welcome. Now, I'm very interested to hear how someone like yourself goes from super successful career in marketing, 30-odd years in the business, in a corporate commercial, big brand sense, to then wake up and go, hey, this is not exactly the right journey for me and I'm going to take a, a different tact on thing and you start working in cause marketing. What was the impetus for that change? My wake-up call, right? Um, yeah. So I, I should probably be clear up front and say my marketing career was accidental. Yeah. <laughs> it, wasn't, it, it wasn't a decision for me. I was living in London. I had moved over there earlier and I was living there and I was just working. And to be honest, my head was in the traveling space. All I wanted to do was work and get money so I could travel Europe and enjoy life. And I'd come back from one traveling stint and got a job on reception in an agency. And I was just lucky enough to find an incredible culture and just the way they approached things, the way they looked after their people, it just set me up and it set me on the path with this career. And I discovered that the skills I got to use for strategy, creativity, getting results for clients, I loved using and honing those skills. So it was accidental, but when I fell into it, I loved it. But um, What was the original plan? Travel, travel the world, be a child of the universe, <laughs> truth be told. I mean, I was in my early 20s and this was London in the 80s, right? So um, that was the original plan. But I fell into this and I'm so grateful that I did. And I just, I, even though I loved doing what I did, there was always a bit of a disconnect because I grew up with a very strong social conscience and you know, I kind of felt like there I was, you know, selling, trying to sell, help Pepsi sell more soft drink, help Cadbury sell more chocolate, help, help all these brands sell more. Mm. And um, it, yeah, it just disconnected with what I thought was important in the world. So I, I just showed up in two different ways. I had my work life and my career and outside of my work life, you know, you'd find me on protest marches, member of Amnesty International or Get Up or whatever, and keeping keeping those lives separate. So I had my small creative marketing agency here in Sydney, which I owned, working for big brands like Pepsi and Cadbury and Caltex and all sorts of other big businesses, Panasonic. And we ran a cause marketing campaign for a, a water brand, actually. And it wasn't the first time I'd done cause marketing, but it was the first time that we were able to measure the results and put it down totally to the campaign. And this was back in, I don't know, around 2010. 
And the results were phenomenal, not just sales but brand health. And it just sort of opened for me this idea of marketing as a force for good because of the social impact it could create. And I went off to a conference in the US and that just opened my eyes even further and I just realised that this was what I wanted to do. And my agency was a small seven, seven, eight-person agency at the time. I tried to steer it down the path, and this was around 2011, 2012, but it was far too early for the Australian marketplace. So what I could see what they were doing in the US and other parts of the world was so sophisticated and strategic and exciting, but Australia wasn't ready for it. So it took me a number of years banging my head against a brick wall before I realised I was actually going to have to do something radical and walk away from my agency business and start from scratch in my lounge room and figure out what scratch looked like and what I was trying to build and and that's, that's where I went with that. Was that a scary moment? It was scary. It was exciting. I had never, even though I'd been a business owner for like 18 years, I'd never started a business from scratch. I'd come in as a partner. So starting doing that from scratch was scary, but going into what I knew, Cess, I knew that this was something I just had to do and that was really exciting. I imagine it must have been a massive shift as well in even though you were doing something that you loved it wasn't satisfying all the boxes or ticking all the boxes like you you enjoyed doing your marketing but it wasn't what you loved to do <laughs> if you get what i mean totally get what you mean do you know how i how i capture that i used to love what i did so you know i loved using those skills that i talked about creativity strategy getting results i used to love what i did now i'm doing what i love yeah and there's a real difference in that and some listeners will recognize this there is such a surge of energy and power when you suddenly find that you are doing what you love and you can bring everything to it and it certainly wasn't easy starting from scratch. It was really hard and there were some scary moments because I was the main income earner in the family and living in the northern beaches, you know, nice big mortgage and all the pressure that goes with that. But without that purpose, I know I wouldn't have pushed through. But with it, I pushed it right to the edge and beyond and thankfully came through and I'm so happy I did. So can you tell me a little bit about cause marketing just for our listeners? What what exactly do you mean by that? So cause marketing is when a brand partners with or makes a stand for something bigger. So it partners with a cause and it comes together to collaborate with a cause partner to market to create win-win outcomes. And that's where I started on my journey with cause marketing and I wrote my first book, Path to Purpose, which is how to use cause marketing to build a profitable brand. But even even as I was writing that book, I realized that I was just scratching the surface with marketing and with all the research I did, I realized there was a much, much, much bigger opportunity and that just propelled me 
forward to go beyond. But I had to start with cause marketing and cause marketing as well can be a fantastic starting point for businesses on their path to purpose because they might, you know, becoming, getting into the whole purpose and becoming a purposeful brand isn't something you do lightly. So cause marketing can be a step in the right direction and give you a sense of what you can achieve. Yeah, and you say um, it's not something that's done lightly, but it seems to me there is a real trend these days amongst businesses, big and small, towards purpose and being more purposeful. And I think it's almost expected in some ways by consumers that that brands align themselves, you know, sustainably, ethically, like it's becoming not just a a nice to have, but you must do this if you want to be successful in business these days. 100%. And I can't tell you how happy that makes me because I've been banging this drum for a long time. But one of the big challenges and you're right, consumers expect it. It's not just consumers, employees expect it. They increasingly expect their businesses to make a stand on social issues and they expect their CEOs to lead on societal issues. So that's the employee perspective. Consumers want it and what we're seeing is data which shows that purposeful organisations are much more successful than those that don't have a purpose but are even much more successful than those with a purpose statement. And if you like, I'll I'll talk to you about the differences about that in a moment. But consumers support purposeful organisations and investors are now increasingly turning towards investing in businesses that have a social purpose or have strong environmental and social governance. It's interesting the pace at which it's moving because you even think back a few years ago when big brands like Qantas would came out in support of marriage equality and they're like the whoa yeah why why are they doing that? <laughs> like keep your, your nose out of out of the social issues. But yeah. really now if they were to do that just a few years later, I don't think people would really blink an eye. And Seth, do you know what? It is this this idea of business should keep its nose out of social issue. This idea that business should be, in order to be professional, business has to be aloof, you know, it should stay in its lane way. That idea has only been prevalent in the last 40 or 50 years. Before that, business actually was all about delivering on society's needs and contributing to society and looking after all of its stakeholders. So it's only in the last 40 or 50 years that business has lost its focus or business's focus has been directed purely to profit and shareholder return. So this idea of business showing up and showing leadership on societal issues, I think is possibly taking business back to its natural roots. And one of the the central question of my new book, which is called For Love and Money, How to Profit with Purpose and Grow a Business with Love, asks the question, what if business has not yet realised its true and full potential? 
because we've been so focused on purpose and because we haven't even questioned that as our primary goal, there is so much more opportunity to be unlocked for business and we're just starting to see that and see um, not just what it can create in terms of social impact but what it can create in terms of, you know, employee satisfaction and fulfilment and consumers feeling good about everything. There's a real ripple effect and there's a massive opportunity there for businesses to capitalise on it. So what would be the first steps you would suggest to a small business owner perhaps that is wanting to be more purposeful and more ethical and sustainable? So, and this is true for small businesses, medium-sized businesses and large businesses. One of the things that I want to really rattle the cage on is people's understanding of purpose because most people understand purpose as find your why. You know, most of us have, we know. Yeah, about thank you, Simon Sinek. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I love Simon Sinek. And Start With Why was brilliant, okay? But that was, that was 2010. And context is everything. So that Apple example that, that um, Simon Sinek used, that Apple example is still being used as an example in boardrooms around Australia as a starting point for developing their organisation or business or brand purpose. And, you know, when I say context is everything, look around you at the world we live in and the society we live in. And there are huge societal issues. I don't, I don't need to go into them on this program. Everybody knows what they are. But they are massive and government alone cannot solve those problems. Business has to be part of the solution and what we're seeing is business actually leading the solutions now. On climate change, business is ahead of our federal government, at least here in Australia. Um, yeah. So, Start with why. Start with why, unfortunately, takes you to a place where most businesses who follow that process end up with a statement of context for their products or services. And if that statement doesn't inspire excitement, doesn't inspire action, doesn't inspire meaningful social change, then you are missing the mark on being a truly purposeful organisation because make no mistake, purpose today means social purpose. And there is a ton of research to back this up. It's not just me saying it. Social, uh, purpose today means social purpose. So your question, how do you start? You start with who. You start with who you are, what you care about deeply enough to make a stand on and what you are in a position, what your business is in a position through its products and services to create meaningful impact on. But purpose is not just about what you deliver through your products and services. It it goes to through and beyond your products and services. So identity is everything. And for the clients that work with me, we always, whether we're doing a workshop, the program, or, or what a masterclass or whatever, we always start with who, and I frame it as people like us, which is a Seth Godin phrase, which I've borrowed. So Seth Godin, you know, renowned author and marketer, 
talks a lot about the need for people to understand who they serve and identifying their people like us, like their best customers. And if you take that concept and apply it to purpose, so you're really trying to understand your own identity, the best of your people that work with you, the best of your customers, the best of your partners, what is the narrative that brings you together? Then that becomes the starting point for then understanding what is the higher purpose that you are here to contribute to. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. It's a very big question though, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. And it takes time. You've got to peel away the layers. Hmm. You cannot outsource developing your purpose. No. It's got to be true to who you are. So for me, when I work with clients, it's about peeling away the layers. It's about asking them those questions and pushing and pushing and pushing and asking them to dig until they actually see it for themselves. And of all the work we do, the one I hear back most from my clients is, people like us. And, you know, they get really clear on who are not their people. It doesn't mean that they serve a tiny, tiny market. What it means is that they are deeply meaningful to a core, but there are other layers of people who care about what they do who might not believe 100% in their cause or what they stand for. But the fact that they're standing for something they have a deep appreciation and respect for that. And so, you know, they also want to support that business or brand. So if you're the business and you've identified who your people are and what your purpose is, what is the next kind of practical step? So the next step, once you've got clear on who are your people like us, you know, what are their needs, what are their desires, but what is the narrative, the worldview that you share together. So you get very, very clear on that. Create an avatar. Have real people in mind when you think about this. And then once you've got that clarity, you start to look at a vision. And when I say vision, I don't mean the standard vision that most businesses have, which is, you know, by 2025, we will be the most respected insert category here. Okay. What I mean is a vision of the future that you care enough about to show up for. So, you know, it's either a belief statement or it is a picture of the future you want to create. You know, an example, Airbnb, a future where everyone everywhere can feel like they belong. So their purpose is all about belonging, inclusivity, diversity. Future Super, do you know Future Super, the superannuation company? Yeah. Yeah. Their vision is a fairer, brighter world um, powered by renewable energy. And, you know, that connects to their people like us, people who care about, you know, leaving a better future and one that's powered by renewable energy. So can you see the connection between the two? Yeah, definitely doesn't have to be completely solid, though. It can be a little bit abstract, can't it? It can be generic. It can be, you know, a, a world where business is a force for good. That's my vision. Um, but that actually then really gives me clarity on what is 
our business's role in contributing to that vision. So our and and that that's the mission. So that's step three. So you've got your people like us. There's some other work in between, but but that's I won't go into that because it's going to dilute the clarity. But the key steps are your people like us, external facing vision. And step number three is what is your mission that contributes to the vision? So the vision should be way bigger than what you can achieve. You know, the poster child for purpose is Patagonia. Their purpose, which is connected to their vision, is they're in business to save the planet. Yeah. Now, they're not going to do that alone, but think about who that purpose attracts. Yeah, so you need to kind of think how you will pull the other people into your vision <laughs> yeah and and it forces you when you think big when you when you're ambitious and bold it forces you to think differently and that is the point of it because at the end of the day your purpose which is your vision and mission together has to create action if it's not creating action then it's not fit for purpose and you know, purposeful brands you will find consistently outperform other brands in innovation. It's because they are thinking bigger and they're thinking about the future. So they have to be innovative. And can that um, that vision and mission change? It's not, it's not a static thing. It can evolve. Potentially. Certainly I know with over time, I mean, the vision should be such a big one and long-term one, that that should stand you in good stead for a long, long time. But there are sometimes good reasons for it to change. I'll give you a big example, and then I'll give you an example of my own small business. Patagonia, their their purpose used to be, and I can never quite remember, but uh, what is now their values. So it was to do no harm, to create the best product and to inspire solutions to the environmental crisis. Bit of a mouthful, right, as a purpose, but but that's what it was for many, many years. That's why it's not so memorable. No, I know. I got it this time. I often forget it. But now they're in business to save the planet and, you know, those values guide them towards that so you know they got to a point they only changed their purpose I think three years ago or something like that Um, but they got to a point when you know the climate emergency became so great as well that they really just had to think bigger and and push it out there so that's one example another example is our organization our original purpose was to put social purpose on the business agenda in Australia. And, you know, I had that that mission from years back and nobody knew what social purpose was. Every time I spoke about it, I'd got blank stares. But now it is well and truly on the agenda. So I've had to shift my purpose. And now our mission, our purpose is to make meaningful purpose, i.e. social purpose, a vital part of business in Australia and beyond. And how are you going with that? Good, good. Like we are getting traction. Um, when I think about the early days, it was a really hard slog because nobody knew what I was banging on about. And now the wave, you know, I feel like the wave has, has come in and, um, and we're surfing the wave. 
but there is still a lot of education because whilst a lot of business leaders have absolute clarity on the opportunity and they see social purpose and they see the opportunity, there is still an awful lot of misconceptions around purpose and there are a lot of businesses who are still trying to wade through the weeds and figure out their why when, in fact, they need to be thinking much bigger than that. And when they do, it's so satisfying. Like I can't tell you how fulfilling it is to actually help a business deliver on it and just to see. I I can't tell you how many times I have run workshops online or live in small business situations and corporate where tears have, tears have flown, not flown, you know, people have have cried because suddenly they they realise that they can do so much more. They don't just show up to work to, you know, go through the motions and earn their wages. They can actually do something that they care about deeply and that means everything. Do you think that's generational as well? I mean, I think of this youngest generation and I think for them that's a given. They don't want to be going to work and doing something that they're not passionate about, that that doesn't serve a purpose, whereas not to be kind of generalist about it, but I mean it's exactly what I'm going to do. Like an older generation, it was about, you know, the job's the job, get the job done and then there's what you do at home. Like things were very separate. Because the older generation, and, you know, I'm a part of that, it's, it, we have been brainwashed into thinking, you know, this is what, this is how we've lived, you know, the last few decades. And it's our normal. Whereas younger generations, they actually see the reality of the world. You know, they're looking up and out and they're seeing what's going on. And going, why? Why are you putting your head in the sand? This, this doesn't make any sense. So they, I think they have really shown the rest of us. But whilst they're more attuned to it, from my perspective and my experience working with older people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, when they see the opportunity, they are no less passionate about it than younger people. So I think it's a human thing and it's just allowing yourself to understand it and open your eyes to the opportunity. And then I think just human nature, people want to feel that they are creating value, you know, doing something meaningful. And when you show them that they can do it, in a way that is also profitable because, again, make no mistake, this isn't about just, you know, becoming a non-profit or a charity. This is about profit with purpose. If your purpose is not driving your profitability, then you are never going to be able to deliver on it as well as you want to because it has to be profitable for it to be sustainable and scalable. Yeah, you want to be able to make money while you're doing it, <laughs> definitely. You have to. You have to. And there are some people who say, no, 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 Business businesses should do good and they shouldn't expect to get anything out of it. But if something good comes, then very well. And I just say, no, you're not thinking big enough. You know, you're still thinking of it as a siloed little add-on 
whereas this is about putting your purpose, your higher purpose, front and centre and letting it drive your actions, your strategy, the way you hire, the way you fire and, you know, to create meaningful change in the world and that is the road to profit and success. Well, that's just been fantastic talking to you. I really think that's the way forward, meaningful change, doing work that you love Mm -hmm. because you love it. And because it's going to make the world a better place. <laughs> like I think if we could all just do that, it would just be wonderful. Exactly right. Think think um, Tina Turner's song, What's Love Got to Do With It? The answer is everything. Yes. Thank you so much, Caroline. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this morning. I think I've probably run out of time now, though, so I'm going to have to say goodbye. Thank you so much for having me, Seth. Oh, it's been wonderful. And what's a little plug for your new book? Give me a shout out. For Love and Money is now available on Amazon, Booktopia, Barnes & Noble, all the major sites. Or you can visit my site, carolynbutlermadden.com. And we also have the For Love and Money podcast where we continue the story with interviews with some amazing leaders at different stages of their path to purpose. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.